0: Hello? Is this thing on? Hmm? Hello? Welcome to Rapid Real Estate Radio, prepared to be entertained and educated by expert interviews, real life anecdotes, and pro tips, all designed to help you get started making money in real estate as fast as possible. Your host is a real estate investor, licensed broker, and coach who has helped thousands of new investors complete their first deal. Here's Gavin McCaleb. Welcome back to the podcast, Rapid Real Estate Radio. It's me, Gavin. Glad to have you back. You know, today is going to be story time. I'm going to tell a little anecdote from my experience that hopefully you guys can learn from and maybe be a little entertained. I guess we'll see. So, listen, in the course of my investing career, I've learned a lot of interesting things not the least of which is that there are a lot of different ways to live your life. Like there's different I was going to say the word lifestyle, but there's too much baggage with that as far as oh, hunting and camping or fishing. That's not what I mean. I'm talking about like literally like the way that people live in their domicile day to day. Maybe that is lifestyle in some ways. So for example, I'm a, I'm no stranger to unorthodox situations. For example, when I was in college, I rented a single-family house with, depending on when it was, between six and eight other guys. And since the refrigerator in the kitchen was not sufficient to hold all the vittles for a group that size, we found a second-hand refrigerator and put it in the living room. Half of us had the living room fridge. The other half had the kitchen fridge. That's the only way we could have done it. So you might think, well, walking into a living room, there shouldn't be a refrigerator here you're outside the scope of normalcy and I would shrug and say we did what worked same thing I was taking a friend of mine out to look at houses and you know they needed five bedrooms on account of they have so many kids and so it's kind of hard to find five-bedroom houses in certain neighborhoods and so we would go in to the house and look through it and I would say you know technically you could fit five beds in this big great room like you know the living room or the family room You can fit five beds in here. There's there's certainly no rule against it. It's not what we do typically. But, I mean, if you wanted to, you could put all the beds in the main room. And then you could go out and you could have hobbies in each of the, what we would consider bedrooms, right? And so, think outside the box. I'm open to it. I want to do it. I love doing it. I'm with you. But I've seen some weird stuff, guys. I have seen fire pits. Hold on. In the living room. So I'm talking about literally the charred remains of logs in the middle of a living room. How the house didn't burn down, I do not know. Um, I have seen, of course, a variety of punch and kick holes in doors and walls. Now listen guys, I've never been in an actual altercation. Hopefully I don't get into a fight with anyone here. But it hurts. It would hurt to punch a hole in the wall. That's you know, it's at least an inch or two thick. And if you hit a stud, you know that's the uh, the two by four, not the host of the podcast. (laughs) Anyway, if you hit a stud, man, that could break your 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 foot or your hand. And so I've never done any of that stuff. But I've walked through it. I thought, oh man, somebody was like just raw ball of emotion, and they kicked a hole in this door, or they kicked a hole in this wall like wow man I I never thought of doing that I never did that in my life and of course that leads us up to the main topic for today which is of course pet remnants now you guys have your own opinion of pets many of you love pets you've got your birds you've got your cats and your dogs heck you got your emus and your llamas your alpaca I don't know what kind of pets you guys have these days your goat Your chicken. There's a lot of chickens in residential neighborhoods these days. It's a little hobby. We, in the past, have had chickens as well. We don't have any at this exact second, but we got a little hen house and we have raised chickens. So I get it. Pets are fun. They can be useful. They can be enjoyable. But I always think of pets as being agents of property damage, which of course they are. You just have to figure out what's the trade-off. Am I okay with having a house that smells like pee and poo in exchange for whatever love and affection I get from this furry animal? Many people say, yes, I'm okay with it. Now, you look, hold on. I get it. If your mom has cats and her house smells wonderful, I believe you. I get it. It's not every single house. It's not every single pet. But it's not uncommon for people to, let's say, have the best of intentions and ultimately they... Let it slide, and once you let it slide, my friends, it's hard to get it back, and I'm talking about one mess in the corner, ah, missed it, oh well, now maybe there's no cat box anymore, and it's just a free-for-all. It's a slippery slope, and so there is an old and fairly true adage in real estate investor circles relating to walking into a vacant house or an abandoned home and taking a deep breath it's smelling that cat pee and just saying oh boy that's the smell of money right there. And what they mean by that of course is that a house that's damaged in any way is an opportunity for an investor to add value by repairing it or putting it back in good condition. And of course pet damage in the carpet in the walls in the in the floors, you know if it's not carpet if it's hardwood or whatever, that's an opportunity because it it's going to cost time and effort and money. To, to bring that back into livable condition. And, and of course, that means it's negotiable. So you can get a discount on that property. Or maybe if you're in a short sale, you can use that as leverage. Or even if it's just a private sale between an, an individual seller and a buyer, they understand it's going to cost extra to remediate some of those odors and smells. So yeah, I get it. The smell of, of pets is usually a signifier of profitability. So I'm going to harken back to a summer day, 12 or 13 years ago, it must have been the second summer that I was in the business, and there was a property that I had just got under contract that was kind of, it was just a real standard little two-bedroom, one-bath, you know, ranch-style home, just one level. I want to say it was around 1,100 square feet, not very big at all, Just just your typical tract home. It was in a fairly favorable area. Not too far from the downtown area and of course Boise State University, our flagship institution here in the area. You may have heard of the Boise State Broncos. They got football and and I guess basketball too, and probably some academics. But in any case, it was nearby there. So it was in an in-demand area. And so I went through the property and I kind of did a quick, you know, just a quick walkthrough. And said, "Yeah, you know, there's no, there's no significant damage. Yeah, it's it's filthy. It's filled with junk, of course, but it's nothing I haven't ever seen before." And so I took it under contract. The person had moved out, and at that point, you know, when you're first sort of new as an investor, you wear a lot of hats, and part of it is because of the novelty. Part of it maybe because of necessity in terms of budget. But at this point. I was still in the business of cleaning out junk. And so instead of hiring a dumpster, we just borrowed a truck. My friend and I, we backed the truck up. We started taking all the junk out. And it didn't take long to figure out that there was something a little extra special about this property. And so, again, on my quick walkthrough when I took it under contract, it was a... uh, you know, it was filled with junk, right? And so I just thought, okay, yeah, we'll just do a clean-out. Now, this was a short sale. And so at the time, my policy was to take everything under contract and then, you know, of course, go and negotiate it with the bank, right? And so I, I didn't really scrutinize it too much because I knew I had time to, to dig into the numbers as I was making the negotiation with the bank. But at this point, we were far enough along in that process that it looked like it was a successful negotiation. So now it was time to do the clean-out because we were about to turn the corner into when I would need to flip it and find a buyer for it. And so after removing all the furniture remnants and some you know, some paper, magazines, books, whatever else people leave behind, then a, a slow and difficult realization started to dawn on me. So there, there was one curious thing about the property, and that is, if you can imagine, so you walk into the house, you know how kind of a two bedroom, one bath would be laid out, you walk in, There's a kitchen right there, there's a living room right there, and then you go down a back hallway, there's two bedrooms and a bathroom, and then that's basically the house, right? So as you go down the back hallway, there's there's a bathroom on one side, there's a closet on the other. You go down a little further, there's two bedrooms. And so at the end of the hallway, which was effectively the back wall of the house, there was a, I mean, it was technically a dog door, but I want to clarify that it was like three feet tall. It's so like a big dog, a, a really big dog door, three feet tall, maybe, I want to say two feet wide. And it was not like, you know, you think of a PetSmart dog door where you go and it's got the plastic insert and you do the caulking around it and you got the little slide up thing, the flap and everything. This was literally like someone had taken some kind of a saw and just sawed a hole in the back of the house and, and had tacked up like a carpet remnant, as the flap. And so I thought, okay, well, they must have had big dogs, right? Now, of course, as we had cleared away all the other junk, it became clear that, yeah, they had big dogs because guess what? You know, this this podcast, I think I'm going to call it a PG. I don't have to put explicit on the, on the warning, I think, if I tell the story. But the dogs had pooped. Should, is it better if I whisper it? All over the carpet, and it was kind of tan. It was kind of brownish tan carpet anyway, and so I thought it was just filthy. But then I noticed that it was more than just dirt. It was just claw, clods of dog poop. Should I say? Should I say poop? Would it be better to say crap? I don't know. I'll probably intermix the two. Not not the substances, just the words. And so it's like, oh man, this is awful, right? Because as soon as you realize that it's not just dirt, you're like, oh boy, this is going to be a messy job. So before I get to that part, there's one other interesting detail. So for some reason that I have never figured out to this day, I do not know the answer. For some reason in the backyard also, there was laid out in kind of a I don't know, I want to say maybe a couple hundred square foot ratio. I mean, a big section of the backyard had carpet laid out in the grass. And so my thought was, well, maybe they had extra carpet. They just threw it out back there. Maybe the dogs would like to sleep on it or lay on it when they're outside in the backyard. But, of course, I don't know if you guys know about Pavlov's dogs. I don't know if you guys know about conditioning and psychology, any of that kind of stuff. I know a little bit about it. but So this is my, my working theory. These dogs were were trained to go out back and whenever they felt the carpet under their feet, they would just, you know, do their business. So in the backyard, those carpet remnants were completely saturated and covered with the dog poo. And then, of course, coming back in, I figured, well, maybe what happened is these dogs felt the trigger. Whenever they felt carpet, they knew it was okay to go. And that was one way to explain why inside the house was just as permeated as the outside, it's the outside carpet, mind you, and so here I'm faced with the task of cleaning up huge amounts of waste, and so you guys are coming to know me a little bit. Some of you know me already. You know that I love problem solving. I love efficiencies. I like to think outside the box. Heck, I'm the guy with the refrigerator in the living room. I'm certainly open to creative solutions, and so. After trying a few times of you know sweeping, sweeping some of the crap into like a dustpan and filling a big bag with it, it was like ah oh, man, this is gonna take forever and it's kicking up dust. It's the middle of summer, it's July. I'm sweating like a whatever sweats a lot. You know like a, like a sweating a, a rivers. Is that what you do? Do you sweat rivers? Sweating bullets, I know. But in this case, it was it wasn't like sweating bullets. It was more like just an entire glistening of a full body glisten. Is that what men do? I know women do. In any case, I was entirely moist, and uh, and as soon as I realized that this wasn't just dust and dirt, it's just you it, it got real unappealing real fast. And so I thought I got to figure out a way to, to resolve this without kicking up so much residue, or was it residue? Dang it! Sorry, I apologize. Anyway. So here's the idea: take the carpet, pull up the corners, you know, loosen it from the sides, and then just roll this thing up, and, and include the contents. And that was the most efficient way to get it all out of the house as fast as possible without disturbing it, without stirring it up. And so that's that's what the plan was. So my my partner and I, we. We did that in the in the house. We rolled up a big a big um, carpet piece, picked it up, took it out to the truck. Did it again. Kind of had cut it into a couple different sections. So then we had to go out to the backyard and remove that carpet as well because you know we were getting this thing ready to sell, and so we couldn't obviously show the house in such a way that they that, that somebody would come over and find these huge you know tracts of carpet in the backyard with the poo all over them. So we went out. And did the same thing in the backyard. Only this was probably three times more quantity of waste. If you know what I'm saying, of course you do. I've been talking about it the whole time. And so these were much heavier. So we rolled them up and hoisted them up and started carrying these out. And so the last one, you know, we're already a little tired. It's been a hot, long day, and we're. And this one's heavy. I mean, it is. I've, I mean, carpet itself is pretty heavy. And so if you can imagine taking, it's probably at least an 8 by 8 section of carpet and rolling it up. Carpet itself is fairly heavy. Uh, Wet carpet is extra heavy, and this was out in the backyard, and it had been, you know, moistened many times. That's the second moist for this episode. That's actually the third. I hope that's the final use of that word. But you know that wet carpet is even heavier, and then, of course, this had its own precious cargo. So... By the time we rolled that up and we were already fairly tired and exhausted, we thought, okay, this is the last one. Rather than break this into two separate ones and, and take a, an extra trip, let's just finish it up. So rolled it up, hoisted it up, super heavy. I had it on my shoulder. I was leading leading the way and walked through the house and up, up into the truck. And so as I get there, I'm like, oh boy, we'd already stacked the truck fairly high. It was full of all the other junk as well as the other carpet remnants. And so I'm like, okay, i got to climb up here in order to hoist it up. So I climb up. So I set my end down on the tailgate. I climb up into the truck, and I lift it up. And as soon as I lift it to where it was almost, I want to say like a 30-degree angle, maybe. I want to say a 45-degree angle, but I feel like that's a little bit of exaggeration. It's probably a 30-degree angle. Whatever it was, it was sufficient for gravity to take place and issue forth its contents in, into the mouth of my unsuspecting partner who was still on the ground. And I, I heard him kind of gargle and mumble, Stop! 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 And he's trying to get it out of the way of his face, but it's so heavy he doesn't want to drop it. And so I'm... I'm simultaneously shocked and in awe of the scene that I'm watching, but I'm also feeling a little bad for him. So I'm like, hurry, hurry, hurry. Push, push, push. So so we push it up, get it into the truck, and I come down, I sit on the tailgate to assess the damage. And, you know, my friend that was there. And, of course, you know, he was also covered in sweat. And as this dust and dirt and, of course, the dry... Remnants, so to speak, had covered his entire face, and as it stuck and clung to his his sweating face, you know, it started to um, rehydrate, so to speak. It's and so it almost appeared that he had had some kind of a delicious chocolate treat that had gotten out of control. But of course, we both knew that it, it wasn't chocolate at all. And so that, my friends, is the story of how I witnessed the consuming of a turd burrito now other than the shock value of the story i do want to pull out some pro tips a few of the pro tips go as follows number one you do not have to wear all the hats in fact i have not been on cleanup crew for many years i have people who do that and whether they roll up the dog poo is none of my concern they can clean it up however they want but I hire people to do that now. And as a real estate investor, like I said at the beginning, we feel like we've got to do everything. I'm an investor. i got to take care of it. Well, sure, you could, you could. Or you could also hire it out at $10 or 11 or $12 an hour for people to go in there and work for a few hours to clean stuff out. So keep in mind, leveraging other people's time and efforts will keep you out of some of the dirty trenches, so to speak. Uh, another pro tip is that if the deal is so tight that you cannot afford help to come in and do something like this, maybe it's not that good of a deal. I know sometimes we've tried to force deals. We try to look for all the reasons to do a deal. But listen, friends, if you're forcing it because if there's not even enough room for $100 to pay a cleanup crew, it may not be a profitable deal. You may want to pass. So that's the other pro tip. And uh, I guess the final pro tip is that if and when you are ever hoisting a turd burrito, try to get the high ground. So that's that's the story, friends. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you learned something from it. I hope you go out and find your own real estate story that you can share with others. Oh, I know. I Sorry, I had one more pro tip. There are literally poo companies. Like their job is to come and clean up dog poop. Pooper scoopers. I know that's kind of a silly rhyme. I'm sure there's got to be a company called Pooper Scoopers. I know there's a few different ones, and they come out with a huge vacuum and a shovel and whatever, and that's literally all they do. So, so don't think that you have to do it anymore, and and please don't. If you are the Pooper Scooper, thank you for your service. And so with that, I appreciate your listenership, your participation in this podcast. I would invite you to share it with others. If you want to learn more about real estate investing, you can check out rapidrealestateradio.com and look for the information there. If you guys have any properties in Southwest Idaho that I can assist with, I am a licensed broker, would certainly be glad to assist. And on that note, I would like to end with an inspirational, or maybe it's an educational quote. It says, how would the person you intend to become do the thing you are about to do? You see, friends, life is about progress, and we all have a vision in mind of what we'd like to become, or at least I hope we do. If not, maybe take a step back and do that right now. Think of what would you like to become. And so if you're thinking, I'd like to become a very successful real estate investor, how would that person do what I'm about to do? I'll give you a pro tip on this one. He would hire a pooper scooper. And so whether it's poop you're scooping, whether it's another kind of grunt work, whether it is... Uh, tipping at a restaurant and being a little more generous than you need to be, whether it's taking time to listen to your young child's conversation, even though they're saying the same thing over and over 10 times in a row, whatever it is, if you want to be more compassionate, if you want to be more successful, if you want to be more, more charitable, think of what would the person that I'm about to become what would that person do? And then do that thing. And guess what? You slowly become that person. It's, it's. Uh, I know it seems obvious, but it's also something that we need to actively work towards. So that's your thought for today. It was uh, by way of a man named Michael Huggins, who is a successful real estate investor. And he mentioned that to me and it really stuck. And so I know that it's also a common thing on the internet. You can Google it up and see who else said it. But for now, it was from Michael Huggins, and so I wish you guys well. I'll see you guys on the next podcast, and thank you so much for listening. Thanks for listening to Rapid Real Estate Radio. Please remember to subscribe and tell your friends. Have a burning real estate question you need an answer to? Visit rapidrealestateradio.com to submit your question and to find out how you can get your rapid start in real estate.